They say there's no good news. No good there's news. no good news. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the No Good Podcast, where today we will be talking about small independent media versus big government. And this time, it comes out in our favor. So, let's get to it. In August of 2020, amid the Black Lives Matter protests, Keon Kelly Chung, a freelance photographer and a documentarian, was arrested by DC Metro Police, taken into custody, and despite the fact that the nation was deep in the midst of a pandemic, he was forced to spend the night in a holding cell with another maskless person. After about 18 hours in custody, he was released, but his equipment wasn't returned. At the time he was arrested, he was carrying two cameras and his cell phone. Months later, in October, the U.S. Attorney's Office reportedly reached out to Kelly Chung and asked him to voluntarily turn over data that was in his equipment as part of their ongoing investigation into events that occurred over the two-day period around the time that he was arrested. Now, Kelly Chung, who is a member of the NPPA, which is the National Press Photographers Association, did not cooperate with that request. And he also was not going to allow himself to just be another victim of the same police injustice that he was at that protest to cover. So he sued the police department, the acting police chief, Robert Conti III, and the district for violations of his First and Fourth Amendment rights as well as violations of his rights under the Personal Privacy Protection Act, which protects journalists against things like warrantless searches. He also claims several thousand dollars in losses because since he didn't get his equipment back for months, he had to replace his cameras. He said he replaced his cell phone twice because he believed he was under surveillance. And since he didn't have the footage that he captured at the protest, he lost out on the money that he would have made licensing that footage to media organizations. With the help of the NPPA, he was able to get DC to dig into their bank account instead of facing him in court. And that could be because there were several things Kelly Chung pointed out in this case that were just not a good look for DC. Let's start with the fact that Kelly Chung reportedly got caught up in the first place through use of a tactic called kettling. And Keon Kelly Chung spoke to News 4 last August after he was arrested, his cameras and cell phones seized, while covering a Black Lives Matter protest in the Adams Morgan neighborhood. D.C. police were accused of using kettling, a mass arrest technique banned in the district. Kettling is basically a tactic where police use their presence to enclose a group of people into a small space. And the D.C. code says that a police line shall not be used to encircle or even substantially encircle a demonstration, rally, march, or any type of assembly that involves political, social, or religious views unless there is a significant number or percentage of people within that vicinity who are engaged in unlawful acts. And those unlawful acts need to be something other than just unapproved assembly. 
So basically it is illegal for DC police to kettle peaceful protesters. And considering that charges didn't come out of that kettling, there appears to be no unlawful activity that warranted it in the first place. Secondly, Kelly Chung also found it significant that he, who comes from a Jamaican American father and a black Japanese mother was arrested and his partner who's white was not arrested. And they were both wearing shirts with the name of their production company on it. And his arrest happened in addition to the fact that he identified himself as press multiple times, he says. Regardless of whatever race he actually claims or the race that his parents claim, you, you can clearly look at this young guy and tell that he is a non-white person. So yes, I guess DC did look at the optics of that and say, okay, here you have where we are fighting claims of violations against the black and the AAPI community. Yeah, I can understand why they went ahead and um, decided just cut the check. And that is something that you will see from police when you're working in the journalism field. Even the situation in Minneapolis, if you caught that story on No Good Words, there was an instance in there with the police brutality against journalists where there was a white journalist and a black journalist. Of course, it was the black journalist who got beat. Of course, it was the black journalist who said that the police were banging on his equipment. In an NPR article, John Watson, who's a professor of media law and journal ethics at American University, he says this type of thing happens all the time. And he even has to warn his students, like students of color, if you're working in journalism and you're working these type of events, like, yes, there is a risk. You have to be careful of being targeted. Keon Kelly Chung, he said he's never even been arrested before. He said he's never even had the experience before this of being viewed as a potential felon before. And after this, he said he's had mental health issues like anxiety, which is very understandable. It's the type of thing that a lot of times I believe that these police are going for. They find colored people who are covering injustices against colored people and they do something to display that this could be you. So at the end of the day, the city ended up settling. The amount of the settlement was not disclosed, but an attorney who worked on the case for Kelly Chung, this is how he described it. We've been involved in quite a number of these cases um, where the settlements uh, have been, again, significant. And unfortunately, it's the taxpayer that's paying for it. I don't find it that unfortunate that taxpayers are paying for it. Justice is a worthy cause of tax money, in my opinion. When you think about it, numbers, especially large numbers that involve money, that's what wins over people's attention. Otherwise, stories like this don't even get noticed. But when you talk about substantial settlement, then it grabs people's attention. And then it raises the question that just like when you have children, if they do something wrong, you're on the hook for it. When you have people who you elect, when you have people who you pay and they do something wrong, you're on the hook for it. So the question becomes, how many times as taxpayers are we willing to pay for the people that we already pay to mistreat us? That's bottom line. In the NPR article, Kelly Chung, he says, we know it's so difficult for black people, for people who are constantly victims of violence, of abuse and oppression, whether it's the police or the government at large. It's so rare that justice is ever served. So just knowing that there's even an opportunity to seek it out is just part of the reason, largely, 
why I wanted to open up a case. And he encourages black and brown people to continue shining the light on police injustices, on racial injustices. But this is what he also told NBC4. I believe that accountability is key to ensuring a brighter tomorrow. There's a lot of power in a camera to hold officers accountable, and I hope everyone remembers that. He went on to say, it shouldn't always be our job to point out when the police do something wrong. They should make it a point to prevent wrongdoings from happening in the first place. We need to be collectively holding our government officials responsible to create policies that hold police officers accountable for their actions. Enough said on that. Moving on. So, like a story that should be published on foolish.gov, the city of Fullerton sued two bloggers and ended up paying $350,000 to settle the case. Wrap your brains around that one. You file a lawsuit against somebody and you end up paying $350,000. you fool! So here's what happened. The city of Fullerton accused Joshua Ferguson and David Curley, who have a website called Friends of Fullerton's Future. The city accused them of stealing digital personnel files. So basically what happened was these bloggers made requests for certain documents. The city gave them access to Dropbox folders, but not only the Dropbox folders with the information that they asked for. They apparently had access to a range of Dropbox folders and none of them required unique passwords. So later, some of the information was published online, including a story that once again surrounded the police and some official in the police department who was allowed to resign on some shady terms. The bloggers posted that story. The city proceeded to sue. So throughout the case, the bloggers maintained the position that the city had no proof that they directly accessed any confidential files and they were never charged with any type of criminal offenses. So now, after accusing these people of being thieves and cyber criminals, with no way to back those claims up apparently, the city has to pay $350,000, including $60,000 a piece for the bloggers, plus $230,000 for their lawyer. And then you're gonna have the legal costs on the other side. So according to the Friends of Fullerton website, the bill for this is approaching $500,000. What you done, you fool? Even though you would think on the opposite side that they must have had, it must have been an in-office legal strategy because what attorney, who is the city attorney? Who advised city council on this strategy? Nearly $500,000 invested in nonsense and the city has to issue a public apology online. So in that public apology, this is what Fullerton had to say about suing someone for a Dropbox fiasco that the city created. This is what they said. Initially, city staff were placing folders and files on cityoffullerton.com outbox, a shortcut to a shared file account, because they believed the folders were secured and with restricted access. However, due to errors by former employees of the city in configuring their account and lax password controls, some of the files and folders were in fact accessible and able to be downloaded and or accessed without circumventing access controls. 
So, so far as you can see, nothing here has been done by anybody but the city. Next, the statement goes on to explain, Based on the city's additional investigation and through discussions with Mr. Ferguson and Mr. Curley, the city now agrees that documents were not stolen or taken illegally from the shared file account as the city previously believed and asserted. The city retracts any and all assertions that Friends for Fullerton's future, Mr. Ferguson and or Mr. Curley acted illegally in accessing the documents. Well, isn't it a fine time for the city to come out with all of that? But anyway, their statement goes on to say, the city has worked to protect the confidentiality of non-public documents while assuring robust public access to public records. While our attempts to secure the documents after their unintentional release was well-meaning, it had consequences for Mr. Curley and Mr. Ferguson that we did not intend. The city regrets this misunderstanding. I'm sure the city does regret it now that they're paying out $350,000. And here's the thing. As part of the settlement, the bloggers are supposed to delete and or return some of the files, but they don't even have to remove the information for the story that they publish about the shady police resignation, which was basically the primary thing that they were after in the first place. This is a story that makes government look incompetent and like a straight out jackass. Following the settlement on the bloggers website, a post says, after a year and a half of lies, defamation, obstruction, incompetence, buffoonery, temporizing, more lying, and running up huge legal bills, the city has given up. The losers, once again, says the article, are the taxpayers of Fullerton. I mean, honestly, if this is the crew, these are the folks that are in charge of the city's money, it's not like anybody should have confidence that otherwise they would be like savvy managers of money. I mean, these do not sound like people who know what they are doing. In addition, the post says, well, friends, you can add as well as I can at least three quarters of a million bucks to pursue this harebrained retaliation against bloggers whose only desire was to get information from their own city government. This is reminiscent of another story on NoGoodWords.com about a website called the Alaska Landmine, which filed a lawsuit against Alaska's governor to get access to press conferences. And at the end of the day, Governor Mike Dunleavy's office agreed to pay $65,000 for the website's legal fees, for doing something as silly as creating a barrier to public information. Look at the cost. These governments, these police departments, act like they don't realize that small media, independent media, will fight back. Small media, independent media, they do have people on their side. In this case with Fullerton, the ACLU, the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, and the Electronic Frontier Foundation all filed amicus briefs in support of the bloggers. So it is time for governments and public officials to realize that small media, independent media, freelance journalists, not only will we be playing a larger role going forward 
in informing the public of what is going on, but we're not some hillbillies out of the sticks who don't know how to read and who don't know how to write and who are going to be pushed around and knocked around and not pursue our rights and not pursue the mission. So the same respect, the same recognition, the same cooperation that they give major media outlets, that they give staff journalists at these big name publications, they better start learning to spread it around because nobody has time to play these games. It is 2021. We're out here. We're going to be out here. And that's just what it is. So you act foolish, you pay, which will be much appreciated because we can use the funding. So having said that, Keon, Joshua, David, enjoy your money. Continue doing your good work. Police departments, city officials, get your act together. And me, I am about to roll out. I appreciate everybody for stopping by for today's session. If you found today's info helpful, please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. It is available on nine different platforms, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and several others. So you can listen where you like to listen. And for more stories like this, please also go drop your email at nogoodwords.com so you can stay in the know. And as always, if you would like to show some support and love, you will find the PayPal and Cash App details wherever you clicked into this podcast. Any and everything is appreciated. Until next time, folks. Peace.